0: Let's see. So I think I had a class with you. Oh
1: yeah, what class? History. Maybe. Yes,
0: I think that's what it was. You don't necessarily might not remember me. You know, I like it here. It doesn't mean because I go here I'm a genius. I am hey. very smart. Hey, how's it going? How are Good. you Good, doing? You want but, it? What, uh, what class did you did you say that was? History. You say yeah. Just history. It must have been a survey course then, huh? Yeah, it was. It was surveys. You should check it out. It's a good course. It's a good good class. How'd you like that course? You know, frankly, I found the class, you know, rather uh, elementary. Elementary? You know, I don't doubt that it was. Yeah. I, uh, I remember that class. It was, um, it was just between recess and lunch.
2: Clark,
3: why don't you go away?
0: Why don't you relax? Let's go away. I'm just having fun with my new friend. That's all. But we could have a problem. No, 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 no. There's no problem here. I was just hoping you might give me some insight into the evolution of the market economy in the Southern Colonies. My contention is that uh, prior to the Revolutionary War, the economic modalities, especially in the Southern Colonies could most aptly be characterized as agrarian pre-capital. All right,
1: of course that's your Hang contention. A you're a first-year grad student. You just got finished reading some Moxian historian, Pete Garrison probably. You're going to be convinced of that till next month when you get to James Lemon. Then you're going to be talking about how the economies of Virginia and Pennsylvania were entrepreneurial and capitalist way back in 1740. That's going to last until next year. You're going to be in here regurgitating Gordon Wood, talking about, you know, the pre-revolutionary utopia and the capital-forming effects of military mobilization. Matter of fact, I won't because Wood drastically underestimates the impact drastic- of social dist- Wood drastically underestimates the impact of social distinctions predicated upon wealth, especially inherited wealth. You got that from Vickers. Work in Essex County, page ninety-eight, right? Yeah, I read that too. Were you going to plagiarize the whole thing for us? Do you have any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? But you—is that your thing? You come into a buy, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own. Is your own idea just to impress some girls, embarrass my friend? See, the sad thing about a guy like you is, in 50 years, you're gonna start doing some thinking on your own, and you're gonna come up with the fact that there are two certainties in life: one, don't do that; and two, you dropped 150 grand on a fucking education you could have got for a dollar fifty in late charges at the public library.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, but I will have a degree, and you'll be serving my kids
0: fries at a drive thru on our way to a skiing trip. <laughs> Yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah, but at least I won't be unoriginal.
3: Welcome to a special educators episode of Rewind from today. I'm your host, Anthony Prada. The scene you just heard was from the Oscar-winning film Goodwill Hunting. Released in December of 1997, Goodwill Hunting became a sleeper hit that introduced the world to real-life best friends Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. With friendship and the power of positive relationships at its narrative center, the film is very much a study about the impacts of trauma and the potential found in seeing fully, and unknowingly speaks to connected learning within today's global educational landscape. Will, who at this point in the film is still an unknown math genius working as a janitor at Harvard while on parole, gets into an intellectual duel with someone his complete opposite. Looking at this scene through an educator's lens, it provides a provocation as to what school is traditionally and what needs to change. The scene does speak of content, knowledge, and experience it's clear that Will has been reading the same books as the Harvard student who passes printed words as his own. Equally, it's clear that Will doesn't have the privilege that the Harvard student wields without humility or any sense of emotional intelligence. Regardless, Will is a self-directed learner who within the context of the movie has limited access until he is brought into the MIT fold upon completing a seemingly impossible math equation. In theaters well before Web 2.0 with the birth of Napster in 1999, and most certainly Facebook and YouTube in 2004 and 2005 respectively, the scene provides a number of what ifs. What if the film was remade today? What if Will had privilege and access to both opportunity vast libraries and the internet of today, not 1997 dial-up or a time well before libraries were fully online. What if Will had access to Web 2.0 tools, where he could focus his energy on output, not just input? What if Will had the tools to blog, create a podcast series, vlog, produce his own YouTube channel, give a TED talk, have his own Instagram account, and connect on social media? What if Will had the ability to embrace the democratic power of technology to show what he knows, make connections, and explore his potential fully? As noted in the essay, Becoming Relevant Again, Applying Connectedism Learning Theory to Today's Classrooms by academics Jeff Utech and Doreen Keller. Leveraging these technologies in meaningful ways to share work, add value to the conversation, and find ways to connect to community has potential to further all participants' learning. Therefore, this scene speaks clearly to what must change in education today. It's a scene that illustrates that content does not equate learning and learning does not necessarily happen only in lecture halls. It also speaks to what Will is missing which is what makes schooling so special, the positive relationships with in-school caring adults, peers, and the community that empowers students to be their very best. Only when Will is fully seen within the final act of the film, does he arrive at a safe place where he can finally embrace his present, future, and importantly, full potential. With all of this, it's important to recognize that the Connected Classroom is truly about a shift in mindset that recognizes that learning becomes enriched when it transcends the traditional. Deep learning happens when students are autonomous, self-directed, creative, collaborative, can lean into their interests and passions, are global, communal, and can leverage the technology of today to show learning in truly transformational ways. As shared by Dr. Nicole Picard, a professor at DePaul University, we must educate everyone to be creative and to think about things. Here's an excerpt of Dr. Picard from the Connected Learning Alliance video titled, Connected Learning, Interest, Peer Culture, Academics.
2: There is no longer a promised future for all kids. If people don't really learn how to learn and how to engage and how to be flexible and adaptive and find communities and have ideas about things that they want to do now,
3: we're just really in trouble. If we're going to compete with everyone else, then we can no longer say let's only educate a a segment of society. We have to educate everyone, and we have to educate everyone to be creative and to think about things, which means we have to completely overhaul our education system. We have to completely overhaul, overhaul how we think learning happens and where it happens and who's, who's capable of learning. Looking beyond Goodwill Hunting, this podcast episode is grounded in my own new learning pertaining to the Connected Classroom. I'm currently enrolled in my last course of a professional Master's of Education program at Queen's University. The course is in fact titled The Connected Classroom and explores how learning today must be a communal affair. In this regard, I'm going to introduce you to two organizations that promote connected learning through network learning theory and interdisciplinary theory. Let's get started. Through common goals and a shared mindset, students of the connected classroom gain opportunities to put into practice new knowledge. Their shared experience is grounded in the fundamental idea that knowledge doesn't come from memorization, but the ability to learn, unlearn and relearn. This speaks to the overhaul Dr. Picard mentioned. As noted by UTech and Keller, knowledge, therefore, is not a set of facts, but rather a learner's ability to learn, unlearn and relearn information quickly and to be able to apply that new knowledge in an ever-changing information landscape. They continue to share that learning is the ability to discover something unknown. Unlearning involves critically analyzing, in some cases, rejecting information or beliefs once held to be true in the presence of new information. Finally, relearning is the arriving of a new understanding sometimes replacing perspectives that were once expected or believed from past experiences. With this understanding of knowledge and learning, the work being done through the Calgary Board of Education's Campus Calgary Open Minds program speaks to the importance of applying new knowledge in an ever-changing information landscape. Here's an overview.
2: Campus Calgary Open Minds is an award-winning program that provides authentic experiences to transform teaching and learning. The success of Campus Calgary Open Minds is achieved through collaboration between diverse community groups, funders and education districts. These partnerships ensure each participating student experiences personalized learning within a connected community. As a result, the benefits extend beyond students and teachers. Campus Calgary Open Minds truly opens the minds of everyone involved
3: working with a variety of community partners including museum curators, artists, musicians, dancers, actors, Indigenous leaders, local governance, and so many others. The Campus Calgary Open Minds program looks to enrich learning through community, doing, and providing students with the opportunity to dive deep into inquiry. This example of the connected classroom speaks to networked learning theory, that recognizes that learning and knowledge is a community affair. As noted by Vivian Hodgson, David McConnell, and Lone Dirknick-Holmfeld in their research paper, The Theory, Practice, and Pedagogy of Network Learning. The eschatology of network learning is in essence that knowledge emerges or is constructed in relational dialogue or collaborative interaction. Knowledge is not a property, but a social construct way of knowing from our experience of the world. In this regard, learning within the context of the Campus Calgary program is relational and collaborative as students connect with partners beyond their school, all while being encouraged to unlearn, relearn and learn. Furthermore, it's evident within the partnership being established that Campus Calgary speaks to the community as a pillar of networked learning. Hodgson McConnell and Dirk Nick Holmfeld share that networked learning is concerned with the development of a learning culture in which the members value supporting each other. No one individual is responsible for knowing everything, the community often works towards shared understandings. Here's an excerpt from a CBC News segment highlighting Campus Calgary and its impact.
2: Come on over, fighting bears. Fighting bears are out.
4: When a school comes to Arts Commons as part of the Campus Calgary Open Minds program, uh, it's a teacher with his or her students for five days, Monday through Friday. Our role as a community partner in this learning Uh, is we work with artists, musicians, dancers, actors, sometimes it's directors, stage crew, all the people who, you know, work with us, and we help the kids explore their questions. Because here um, they have examples that will help you understand more. This week they're asking, how do stories change when the medium changes? Let's play... Today, they're working with an artist, uh, Mark, and he's helping them to explore their ideas through movement and creative expression.
2: I love the energy and imagination that kids bring to art. And let's put it on mute! Today was all about uh, working with the kids about how to use their movement and how to both tell stories and understand emotions a little bit more through their body and through movement.
3: In our school, it's you're just learning math, science, social studies, language arts, French. But here, you don't learn those stuff, you learn about art and
0: different things.
2: Because the movement can inform so much. Teaching is changing.
4: Learning is changing we We value students who ask questions and we try to foster curiosity and imagination. The
2: benefits of having an artist teach uh, this kind of art and, and physical ideas is that that 's what I get to explore that's that 's my job is exploring that kind of uh, ideas like I study how to move, how to express through movement and and theater so Uh, Having someone come in to do it, that way, is just having a few more tools in the belt for um, a more full learning experience.
3: This all speaks to the skills being fostered that the traditional classroom would restrict. Students would not be exposed to the diverse perspective of partners involved, nor would they have the opportunity to have such a focused amount of time, intentional time, to embrace deep learning by asking questions, sharing, and reflecting. Looking at Campus Calgary, it's important to note that its success as a program that started over 25 years ago is grounded in community, the power of outreach, and shared mindset. Looking at the potential of replicating its success, there are a number of barriers at play, including funding, potential lack of community partnership and engagement, and teacher mindset as it pertains to programming. For example, Hodgson McConnell and Dirkman Homefield note that with networked learning, communities have to be designed into any learning event or course by the teacher and not assumed to be in any place or to exist without any intention. So teacher mindset and teachers building program inward is so critical. Thus, for these barriers to be demolished and success like that of Campus Calgary open Minds to be had, there needs to be meaningful partnership with respective Ministry of Educations, school districts, community partners, and teacher unions to ensure that funding, outreach, and meaningful professional learning allow for this connectivism to take place with intention, purpose and meaningful implementation that speaks to the needs and diversity of the student experience. Let's now move away from Calgary to another urban centre with Music Links by Just Over Music, a Toronto-based youth program that looks to support creatives on their musical journey. Offering both high school and community-based programming, Music Links provides participants with an interdisciplinary experience that looks at music through multiple lenses, including community outreach, songwriting, production, music video production, social media, legal, entrepreneurship, marketing, and so much more. With community-based programming geared towards 15 to 29-year-olds, students and adults who aspire to be musicians can apply for Music Links publicly funded community outreach program. Full disclosure here I am proud to share that the creative director of Music Links is Freddie Babri, a former student of mine who I've known for over a decade. I've been fortunate to collaborate with Freddie, including having Music Links involved in my communications technology program when I was in the classroom providing a number of in-school workshops that leverage music as an enabler of creativity, collaboration, innovation, problem-solving, and leadership, I've also seen firsthand the benefits of Music Links community outreach work.
5: Here's Freddie on Music Links. Music Links is a 21-week artist development program designed to support artists and producers who've identified gaps in their career. Our main goal is to support these young creatives as they pursue opportunities within the industry by providing support around management services, recording opportunities, placement opportunities, and more learning opportunities in the broader scope of music.
3: Similar to Campus Calgary's program that cultivates enriched community-based learning opportunities that transcend the classroom space, Music Links provides participants with a focused and comprehensive program of over a period of 21 weeks. Like Campus Calgary, which provides students with five consecutive days of networked learning, Music Links leverages time to cultivate unlearning, relearning, and learning which allows participants to focus, all while engaging with diverse partners that foster the interdisciplinary experience of understanding what it truly means to be a musician. This program is deeply embedded within interdisciplinary learning theory.
5: Being that music production is layered and our process does involve a lot of moving parts, one of the key mantras we operate by is proper preparation prevents poor performance. With that said, all parties, whether it be the artist, the videographer, the set designer, the engineer, everyone needs to be at the top of their game, and one thing needs to be completed before we can move on to the next.
3: As noted by OpenLearn, interdisciplinary teaching and learning is maximized when professionals from different disciplines work together to serve a common purpose and to help students make the connections between different disciplines or subject areas. This is very much the case with Music Links, where students and adult participants grow to recognize that being in the music industry is layered, interconnected, and complex. Freddie's work with Music Link speaks to the importance of nurturing students' passions and interests within the scope of the Connected Classroom. Through inquiry, participants are able to take their new knowledge and apply it meaningfully within a real-world context that makes schooling and learning truly transformational.
5: We've had many successes over the last few years in running this program. One being we were able to sign one of our young participants to a deal with Republic Records. We've also had many other successes as far as getting placements and getting our participants' music into TV and film. Some some were placed in Kim's Convenience. With
3: such wonderful success, Freddie and his team at Music Links are also facing unique barriers. Similar to Campus Calgary, potential barriers may include funding and sustaining outreach partnerships. Here's
5: Freddie speaking to Music Links' next steps. In looking to collaborate with schools and school boards, one of the biggest barriers I have found is having to convey the cultural relevance of a program like this but more importantly showing the internal benefit this will have on a lot of young people. A lot of young people in my program are not connected to the school system because they feel it does not do its part in trying to engage them. Oftentimes these young people are forced to seek their own sort of education and 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 pursue things that they feel will benefit them. I feel like school is generic, too generic to a point where a lot of these young people are going 20 years almost, 18 years, uh, without having an opportunity to attempt any hobby, skill, or um, desire that they've had. Either lack of resources at home, lack of access because of the school, and lack of opportunity because of geography. I think given the opportunity to experiment given the opportunity to explore in high school would make a great difference in the um in how a lot of these young people are able to pursue and engage with the rest of the world in their 20s and 30s so that's one of the biggest uh barriers i have found is showing the cultural relevance and the importance of a program like this to a broader and i would say a a, Uh, a broader uh, community, as opposed to speaking directly to musicians where they're at.
3: Freddie shares such a unique perspective when it comes to the cultural relevance of his program and the need to overhaul schooling so that it's not generic, but speaks to students in a way that connects to their passions, interests, and the world in which they live. After all, this is very much the streaming generation. This also aligns with how technology could further enhance both Music Links and Campus Calgary. I can't help but imagine the possibilities if both programs leveraged a virtual learning environment to offer on-demand learning with access to video lectures, live webinars, discussion boards, and ultimately provides the ability for participants to engage regardless of region. Both Campus Calgary and Music Links speak to the power of the connected classroom and are reminders that true learning happens when students can apply their knowledge within a real-world context. Thanks for listening and I hope you share your thoughts with me. Reply to me on Twitter. Was there any key learning that you took away from listening to this episode? Do you have any examples of connected learning to share? What are your thoughts on education and what needs to change? or stay the same in order to serve students more fully before i sign off the research and videos i referenced are available in the episode notes so i encourage you to check that out also looking ahead to the next episode of rewind from today i'll be chatting with celebrated illustrator paul shipper paul's portfolio is quite impressive it includes his movie poster designs for ready player one The Last Jedi, Avengers Endgame, and so many other blockbuster movies. Stay tuned for that mid-August release. Thanks for listening.